everybody, and welcome back to the Theology Taco Podcast. My name is Tim, and I am your host. So before I get started, I wanted to let everyone know that this episode will run a bit longer than the last few, maybe about five to ten minutes longer, but I really think that it's worth your time. Also, and I know and know that I am really uncomfortable talking about this, but I've created a Patreon page for this podcast, which you can find at patreon.com slash theologytaco. And let me tell you a reason why. So a few weeks ago, I received a review on iTunes about the podcast. Overall, it is it was pretty positive, which I appreciate. Thank you very much. But they uh, complained that they had to turn up the volume uh, in their car pretty high to hear me uh, as well as they wanted to. And I have to admit that I had a problem with this when I listened back to the last episode. I had to turn my volume up on my TV, um, like, really high just to hear me at that, like, crisp level that you want to hear a a podcast at. And I find this a little frustrating uh, because when I checked out my equipment, I found that my recording level or volume was turned all the way up. The only reason I can think uh, of why this happened is that my equipment isn't really up to snuff the way that it should be. And it's pr- it's a pretty amateur setup, if I'm being honest. I just have a USB mic with uh, the program Audacity as my recording software. And sometimes you might hear like crackles or something when a person is talking or when I'm talking. That's, again, because I think it might be my mic or maybe my program or something in there that I don't know how to fix. So, uh, better mics, they're expensive. And I do have a job, so I don't want this about to be about uh, replacing my income by, by any means. But even though I have a job, expenses like new equipment, especially for podcasting, they're, they're hard to cover. So if you're interested in supporting this podcast, why don't you hop on over to the Patreon page, which again is Patreon slash Theology Taco. I've tried to make it reasonably tiered because, listen, (laughs) I always feel like somebody's coming after your wallet, and that's why I am uncomfortable talking about this. You got money coming out for Netflix, this, that, and the other thing. But I would appreciate it if you felt like uh, contributing. I've got some reward rewards for whatever tier you want to do. And thank you. So <laughs> let's move away from that un- uncomfortable topic for me. Um, so let's get started. The actual segment is pre-recorded and that, that I did a couple days ago. And I'm going to be asking my guests about his divorce. So it's going to be questions like, his background in faith before marriage, and some expectations he had about marriage. And then we're going to talk about his struggles in faith during the divorce and then onto his relationships during the whole thing. I really think everything he said is so powerful, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So let's take a listen.
Hello, everybody. This is Tim, your host of the Theology Taco podcast. So today we're going to be uh, discussing the topic of Christians and divorce. And to help me go into this topic a little further, I've invited a friend of mine who's walked through this in his personal life. His name is Quincy, and he was married for about 14 and a half years, and he's a father as well. So prior to his marriage, um, he and his ex were involved in church and still are. So now I'd like to ask Quincy a a few questions uh, to better understand his perspective on this matter. Quincy, why don't you go ahead and say hi. Hey, everybody. Um, And I want to just thank you, Tim, for giving me the opportunity. I love telling this story, not because it's a wonderful story, but I just, I really want to see other people be able to grow. And I did not get it all right by any means, but I want to see people take what I've learned and my views on it going through it and do better. Right. So I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. So let's uh, get started. I'm assuming, and I don't know for sure, but that you grew up in a Christian household. Is that right? Uh, Christian in some ways. So okay. I grew up and we knew about the Bible. I got some general Bible stories. Um, I, I do not think my parents are Christian. Okay. Um, we did, you know, the Christmas Easter stuff. There was a couple seasons where we went through church and got a lot of good life lessons from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but family of faith, no, I, I would say not at all. Okay, that's interesting. And, and that completely changes the first question, which is good. But it still applies. Can you can you tell our listeners about your childhood and growing up in terms of how divorce was viewed in your family? Was your family affected by divorce in some way? Or is there any kind of stigma around divorce? Yeah. Um, I don't think there was a stigma of divorce, first of all. So I don't think... I don't remember anything when I was little about, oh, you got to be careful of this or, you know, it's horrible, you know, the... The divorced woman and a divorced man having these deeper issues. I don't see. I didn't see any of that. Okay. Um, but my parents have been married for forty years. Mm-hmm. They're still married today, and I really appreciate what they kind of showed me through that. Um, I have aunts and uncles that divorced, and I saw the devastation it did create with, especially between them and within the family, and definitely for their kids. So I definitely got a picture that divorce is extremely painful. Um, and it didn't have anything to do with faith and non-faith. That just wasn't part of the issue. It was just extremely painful and destructive yeah. uh, by tearing something apart. And of course, as a child, I didn't understand exactly why, but it was clear. The damage was clear. Right. Okay. So I know there's a lot of couples that I've talked to or just that I know that have grown up in the church or were active in church sometime before they got married. And a lot of them, us really, have some kind of preconceived notions or expectations prior to marriage of what a husband or wife should or shouldn't be. Did you have any of those uh, notions or expectations? I think I did. So I think through growing up with my parents, Again, who were always married and through, you know, saw their own parents get divorced and aunts and uncles, they remained super committed to each other. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I think, and because I became a Christian when I was 20 years old. Okay. And then I got married when I was 25. So 
through that journey from 20 to 25 and just kind of learning more about Jesus and God. And then definitely when I got married, I kind of dove much deeper into my relationship with God and, and in faith. Um, and I suppose you could say maybe theology of some some kind. Yeah. Um, and through all those experiences, it strengthened my belief that once I got married, I was going to be married forever. Yeah. Like one time, that was it. There was no question like divorce, not an option. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I didn't have a perception of anyone else that got divorced. That didn't bother me. I mean, I, of course, you just you, you can't understand until you walk through someone's shoes. Right. Um, I, I don't think I was ever judgmental. I, but you never. Sometimes you don't know that. Yeah. But it, it just for me, I just thought, hey, this was. I saw my parents do it. It was really hard. I knew it would be hard. Mm-hmm. But between that and between my understanding what God wants for us, no question. It's going to go, you know, married and that's it. We'll stick it out, you know, through thick and thin. The problems arise because my picture of marriage with my parents wasn't great. When I went to college and I came home my first summer, or even for Christmas or something, I couldn't stand to be around them anymore for a week. I saw the interactions they had from a different perspective um, as kind of an adult and I'd seen some other families that did marriage really well and then I came back and saw my parents and I, and I thought man this is this is hell like I can't stand to be around them I don't see how they're around each other I thought for sure that they'd be divorced mm-hmm. as soon as my youngest sibling graduated high school I thought they're sticking it out for us they always have I love them for that but once she's out they're done mm-hmm. right so my picture of marriage was very messed up Okay. even though it had a lot of loyalty involved my ex-wife's picture, and I, I can't speak too much for her, but f- from what I saw and what she told me, she grew up without a dad altogether. Mm-hmm. Never had a father or even a father figure in the life. She was a product of a divorce. Uh, or not, sorry, not a divorce. A product of an affair. She was a product of an affair. So her childhood dynamic was very difficult and even growing up as an adult, very difficult. So she also came from a place where she did not have a good picture of marriage and other than what she saw that looked good in other maybe healthy people. Mm-hmm. But that was our best experience. Okay. We didn't have anything better than that to, to try to model. We just tried really, really hard to make it right. So you already kind of answered this question about how you feel your faith impacted your marriage. Maybe we don't need to talk about that one I could skip that question. So let's go on to the next one. When the situation of of separation and divorce was first brought up in your relationship, did you feel yourself running from God more or running to him more? In this case, I ran towards God. Okay. But I I really want to tell the other side of that too. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I was brokenhearted, I think, in my earlier 20s, mm-hmm. a few years before I got married, um, I was engaged and it didn't work out and I was I was just broken and empty. Yeah. And I never viewed it as running from God and I don't know if I still do, but I definitely ran towards all of my own devices, addictions, devices, vices, anything else that would stop the pain mm-hmm. of that heartbreak. So I spent, you know, a year or two doing that to try to fill that hole okay. that was created by the loss of that relationship that I thought, again, I was kind of all in, this is it, I'm going to be married you know, in a few months, 
and this is all of it. And I lost all that. Right. Fast forward, you know, 15 years, 16 years later, I now I've been married for 14 years and I lose that relationship, you know, that's now even way deeper than I ever experienced before. And it was confusing and so deeply painful. And now I've got kids involved too. So there's even more fear. You, you can't just walk away from it. It's like a, it's like a death that you don't get to walk away from. I'm not that close to death, meaning I've never experienced death in a very traumatic way for me. So I can't speak to that. But that's the best way I can try to describe it because the kids involved, you know, mom is still there, still very involved. We have to keep going in some way for the kids, but you lose this marriage relationship and you, it doesn't get buried. It just stays there kind of in limbo. And that's so incredibly painful. So because of my past mm -hmm. and because of the extreme pain I began feeling through this experience, um, I decided that I don't want to do it like that again because right. it didn't get me anywhere. In fact, I learned a long time ago that hurt me a lot more when I did it the old way. When I went to my devices and everything else to just soothe the pain, it just brought more destruction to my own heart mm -hmm. um, and probably created habits in me that I still haven't fully understood. So in this time, just through some just wise people around me to help me to walk through it and sit with that pain and run closer to God and it has forged a new deeper relationship with God than I ever had before ever yeah so for those of you who who don't know uh, Quincy and I I said we're, we're friends we knew each other prior to this and I remember when all of it started first going on that uh, you know I saw that you did have some people around you who were speaking some wisdom into your life and that you were listening too. And I, I mean, forget about my feelings. I, I'm just glad that you had that for you because, you know, if you didn't, who knows how it would turn out. Yeah. So it's life changing. It is. Yeah. Even though that you ran more, more towards God, you know, because of your past experience and, and what you learned. I imagine that you still battled with God somehow during this time. Would you be willing to either shoot me down or tell me how you that you did? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely battled God, um, and I think there's sometimes I still do. I think for me, my questions at the beginning were why? Yeah. Why is this happening? Why, you know, I, and, and you know, um, it's not selfish, but, you know, I worked so hard. I did all this to make it right. I did all these things to love my family. Yeah, I screwed up sometimes, but I really thought I was doing all the right stuff. Why would you let this happen? Not to me, not only to me. I mean, that was definitely the first thing. Like, mm -hmm. how can I ever go on? Why'd you let this happen to me? But it's about the kids, too. So when we got divorced, the kids uh, were like seven or eight, um, nine or 10, and then 12, 13, right? So they're young and very formative and it's pulling the rug out from under them. There's just no other way you can describe that. Yeah. And world God, can you do this to those kids? How can you let this happen? So I, I definitely was angry at him. I definitely cussed him. I cursed him. <laughs> yeah. um, now I have learned enough over the past uh, couple decades to know that that's, that that's not part of his plan 
But I also know him well enough to know that he is capable of allowing or disallowing things. Right. So he did allow it. Uh-huh. And so it was a constant kind of going back and back and forth. It, it, honestly, it was the first time through this season was the first time I've ever read the Psalms and identified with David and the guys that wrote the Psalms, you know, like, because yeah. that's what they do. Right. God, why, why have you left me? Why? How in the world? This is so horrible. And then they'll turn right around a few minutes later. Okay, God, but this is yours and I'm going to try my best to follow you. Mm-hmm. Right. You are great. And that's the, the pain of what they felt was a little bit foreign to me until this experience. Okay. So that came alive. And, and so I, I say that because that's how the ongoing conversation goes. It, it is a battle, I think, of my mind. And at the beginning, it probably started with a lot of complaining. And then at the end of, let's say, an hour or two hours of crying, I can say, okay, God, but I don't understand, but I'm going to try to follow you and I, you know, just please help me. Mm-hmm. And now those those battles go much faster, meaning that I might ask a question, but it's usually not as accusational towards God in the first place. Sometimes it is. Uh-huh. And then I can restore the, myself to the truth much quicker okay. because I've seen what he's done over the past two years. And, uh, and I can catch those things faster to say, oh, wait, I know God. Like, yes, thank you for hearing me complain. And I know that he can, I know he can handle that. Mm-hmm. I can complain all day. He can handle that. Right. And so I don't hold that in either. I don't think that it's blasphemy to say to God whatever I want to say. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think that I think that there, for whatever reason, people think that we can't complain. I mean, we've got like a whole book of the Psalms and even Lamentations where people complain. They 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 voice their complaints to God. And, you know, their hurts and troubles. And I think that we really, especially here in the United States, on a certain level of faith, need to understand that it's okay because God wants to hear because He's you're talking to him in the first place. And it's part of that relationship that you're building with God. So right. I thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that was one of the biggest things I learned. And, and I think people don't, most People don't understand it until they go through some difficulty or, or if they had a really good model for what that looked like. But the idea that God wants you to talk to him, he already knows what's going on. He knows your thoughts. Yeah. But he wants to hear from you. Mm-hmm. He wants to hear all of it. If I've got a friend that's sitting across the table from me and I know he's hurting, I know he has all these problems, but if he's not able to just truly share those with me, even if, even if they're at me, but just share with me what's on his heart— there's a little bit of loss of intimacy there. Uh-huh. And from what I understand, I mean, his God's desire for intimacy with us is so deep and all it's impossible to fully understand how close he wants to be with us. I see no reason why any amount of, you know, sharing could be harmful. Right. That's that's such a great point. That level of intimacy. That's yeah. that's amazing. Divorce, you know, the Bible talks about it and we have all we have our different interpretations about those passages, but I want to know from you personally: Did you have any difficulty with reconciling those passages in the Bible that in, in your own journey of faith? In my own journey, no. Um, I've walked with people through that same divorce journey where some scripture did have some very very 
big impacts on what steps they took through and after the divorce in regards to you know marriage and remarriage and, and other things of just moving forward with their life. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it really has been all about relationship. Okay. Relationship with him and relationship with others. Um, so th- there's nothing that's jumped out at me from Scripture or from angels con- have has convicted me strongly of something to do with remarriage or with divorce or the sin of divorce. So nothing, I guess, has come up that way. Um, I can only, you know, the things that I understand about Scripture and divorce, the very little, you know, is God hates it. Well, yeah. Yeah. He, he hates it because it sucks. It's right. so incredibly painful. I think, I mean, yes, I hate it too, and I don't want to see any person suffer from divorce because it is so painful. I don't I don't think it's a, I don't think he hates it because it's this greater sin that, he's, that he needs to punish you more for or something like that, right? Uh-huh. He hates it. I believe, because it is so painfully destructive to everybody. And as far as remarriage and all that kind of stuff, I don't even want to speak to that um, because I don't know enough theologically. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I know what's coming in my future. Um, I'm not aware of anything uh, in my relationship with God or, or Scripture that is... Uh... Now, clearly there's boundaries and guidelines and very, very clear things in Scripture about how to live your life as a single person, uh-huh. for sure. I'm not discounting any of that. That's truth. That's healthy. There's good things in there that everyone needs to know. And, and just know that if you veer off out of, outside of those, you're probably going to, you know, you're in for some more pain. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. But none of that breaks the relationship. Well, it, it can hinder the relationship with him, um, but it never, you know, it's not this big scarlet A that you have to walk around with the rest of your life. And say that this is who you are. You are a divorced man. You are a divorced woman. I don't. I don't believe that. Okay. So there's a lot of grace in that, and I think mm-hmm. that, in my personal opinion, that the grace God says my grace is sufficient. Or Paul writes that about God, and I think it's more sufficient than those passages in the Bible that talk about. I, and I do think you're right. I think God hates divorce because. It sucks so bad, and it's painful. Yeah. So I think that's a really great uh, point about that. Now, this next question I was honestly nervous to ask about you about because we know some mutual people, and I didn't want to make them think that I was attacking them. Or I don't want this question to be an attack on anybody. Yeah. And you've already addressed that you've had some great people around you when you we're first going through the whole process. So I just want to ask, uh, once you announced your divorce publicly, how, how did those around you who are also practicing Christians react to that news? I think I was, or I am, and was at that time, just incredibly blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not remember a single person ever demonizing me or demonizing my spouse there was people there were people that cared so much for me and cared for my spouse they were shocked they were hurt they were surprised um, if they were more of you know my longer term friends they would ask lots of questions like you know what is her part in this what was my spouse's part in this and they just they wanted so much to understand more to help me more right but i never felt like anyone ever pushed me away at all 
or pushed her away at all. I mean, I, I can't speak to her experience, but for me, I felt like people did everything they could to pull me in. Okay. And there were some people, there were some people or groups and stuff that I had to step away from, or I just was just so overwhelmed that I fell away from some groups for sure because I had to engage in some other groups. Yeah. And other people, and really for the sake of my own energy and time. <laughs> but but never. I mean, it was just amazing. It was amazing because I think the the church, the Big C Church, the church that I was a part of. Uh, you know the group that I was in with you, like all of those men and the women, just really poured out love and mercy and grace on me. They didn't care about the whys or the hows as much. They just wanted me to be okay. They wanted the kids to be okay. I think they wanted my spouse to be okay. Um, they wanted to see us survive through it somehow, whatever that meant, and that was amazing. Yeah, that to me sounds like uh, there's a big theological word for that called incarnational, but it just really means like people are being Jesus to you, mm-hmm. and that that to me sounds like uh, well, like what I just said that people really like had the heart of Jesus, and that, I think that's great, and I and I'm hoping that if there's anybody out there who's listening to this who isn't like that would move towards more that uh, incarnational style of uh, outreach, I guess, or comfort, yeah, whatever you want to say, counsel. And, and I know I, I probably said things and did things and shared things that uh, probably they may have been hurtful to other people that I was in those groups with. They may have been uh, inflammatory sometimes. Um, I'm sure some of them, I'm sure a lot of them, even today, I know people would think I'm a little crazy. Like, okay, Quincy, you're a little crazy, but let me tell you what, I love you anyway. Uh-huh. And and I know that they're going to share with me the truth, but they're also going to, to, to just do it in love, but also with complete, I don't want to say acceptance, because that can be misunderstood. They do it in a way that says... I love you and I am going to continue to be here for you regardless of your circumstances. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and when you have someone like that, when you can be someone like that for someone else and when you have some people like that around you, the opportunity for healing is so much better mm-hmm. because you don't have to even consider putting a filter on your mouth or your mind that hides part of you. Because especially through divorce, Mm -hmm. the spirit of shame, I think, can be so overwhelming. I think when people go through it and they experience that shame, they begin closing off little pieces of their heart, just like they start closing off pieces of maybe their mind or their memories or things that they do that they're afraid of, you know, offending people around them, afraid of losing friends around them. And I think they're just walling in their own heart and that's when some deep corruption can happen instead of an opportunity for being flayed open and kind of being healed from the inside out yeah you start walling <clears throat> excuse me what i've seen is it gets walled off you just get hurt in a new way great imagery i'm hoping that uh, everybody who's listening to this can really take that imagery and just like soak it in and, and try to understand this whole process so there's people right now coming face to the face uh, with the fact that they're past the point of no return 
and they're getting a divorce and what advice would you give to that person who's facing that situation right now oh there's so much there to unpack um and, and, I, and i'll so i'll try to keep it concise okay um the first thing is uh, that i've discovered through my own experience and honestly god ha <clears throat> has brought people into my life over this past year where i'm walking it very intimately with some others um and there is like this hour by hour process when you reach that decision, when that decision is thrown into your face and, and you don't want to face it, the divorce, decision to be divorced. It really becomes an exercise of putting one foot in front of the other okay. with God. Yeah. So again, for whatever reason, when he lets that thing go, when he lets that marriage get crushed, that relationship get crushed, it's going to be something that I think will stretch most people's faith like it's never been stretched before. If that's true, then that means you have no idea where it's going to end, how it's going to end, and where you're going tomorrow. Mm -hmm. No idea. And so that I, the exercise of, I only need to function for this hour or this day and focus on what I can control in me. And when I say control, I, I wanna be careful, not putting a cage on our heart, but things that you can actually do something about today uh, and not worry about the future, that's like an hour-by-hour hour battle. Mm -hmm. But I can say, eventually it becomes a day-by-day day battle, yeah. and eventually it becomes a week-by-week week battle. Uh -huh. um, so I want to encourage people by saying, one, that's normal. Take it hour-by-hour, day-by-day, week-by-week, night-by-night. Use that opportunity of pain to lean into God through every single moment, every single hour, as much as you can. You may not hear answers. You may not have lightning bolts that tell you everything that's going to happen. But I can guarantee that if you listen and you trust a little bit, you will get affirmations about who you are in Christ, who your identity really is. And the truth of that will give you confidence to make it to the next hour or the next day. But you have to lean into it. Mm -hmm. If you run from it, if you distract yourself, if you try to fill the hole that you're beginning to feel through the loss of that kind of relationship. Even if you choose somewhat healthy distractions all the time, um, there's going to be a scar there that's probably going to fester and you're going to carry it with you wherever you go in the future. Okay. But if you lean in, I call it leaning into the pain uh -huh. or sitting in the pain, which is something I didn't do in my long ago past. Uh -huh. No one wants to sit in pain. Right. Pain yeah. hurts, obviously. Uh -huh. No one yeah. wants to sit in that. But I think you have to. I think you have to sit in the pain, experience the grief, and use it and know that it's serving a purpose of strengthening you emotionally and strengthening your faith in a way that maybe nothing else in this world will. And if you can do it that way, hour to hour, day by day, and that gets week to week, there will be transformational growth that you will experience on the other side. Yes. And then you get to hand that off to all kinds of people. Uh-huh. That is a... Uh, wow, amen. <laughs> amen, that's right. I mean, <clears throat> there is that piece, and but, but I do want to comment, to do some of that well, you have to have people. Right, okay. You have to have people. Uh -huh. You have to have healthy people. Mm -hmm. um, every, I think most people know in their minds when they get divorced and when they lose relationships, and I imagine it's the same in death, they know what is healthy and what is not. 
and what feels good and what is not. But a lot of times through that kind of through those circumstances, they're not the same. What feels good is often not healthy. Right. So you yeah. have to be very very careful during those times. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's where other healthy people can be such a huge uh, or have such a huge impact. Um, I think healthy people look like some of the things we've already talked about where you can share with someone and they're not there to judge you, judge your spouse, judge the situation. They're there to listen to you. Mm-hmm. They're there to, to offer you some advice if you want it about directions you might want to go or things that you're thinking. They're there to remind you of the truth, not in like a smack you over the head with a Bible way, yeah. but a truth about who you are. That God still is, even though it feels like he's let you go and he's not in control of anything anymore, he actually is. And he's going to, he can't control, he chooses not to control our free will, but he can then intervene and repair and restore things um, fully. And I think people around you that can do that and remind you that he is a God of restoration and he is a God of building new things... Those kinds of people will help you tremendously. Okay, that's great. That's good. Um, now, I mean, you kind of answered already. Uh, the next question was, what kind of support system did you have? So it seems like you you had a, a support system from you know this that answer and a, a one a few questions before that sure and i and i also you also said that you've written sermons about <laughs> divorce and <laughs> i know I, I, right oh, okay, so yeah. yeah that's all i meant um, all right <laughs> be, and really it's not because i'm doing anything uh, spectacular uh-huh. it's just because i'm choosing to do it differently than i've done it before yeah so just the, the sermons that i would write if i were to write them would be all about this idea of this relationship with God. That some people understand, I thought I understood it, and now there's a new layer, a thousand new layers that I understand, and I know I have a million more to go. Um, But this relationship with God of how I can relate to Him, what He thinks about me, how I can rely on Him, has just grown tremendously through this experience. Um, As far as you know, support system, I I can be very specific. I mean, for me, it was a counselor every week to start with, every week. And I know sometimes that can be cost prohibitive, but there are other financial ways around that. There's all kinds of great counseling systems out there that uh, work on sliding scales or even through church. They've got some pretty experienced um, lay counselors even. Uh It can be better than nothing for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But like that one-on-one time with someone who knows the right questions to ask that has experience in how to ask the questions I think is worth every dime Mm -hmm. if you have to spend money on it. Uh, Divorce care groups, going through it with other people that are recently or have recently experienced divorce or separation also very good because it's there's just something extra special about knowing that you are understood completely or at least almost completely on the other side of the room uh, you know sitting in a group it's one thing to, to sit with wise people who can help you but there's something extra special about sitting with people who understand exactly where you are and are maybe freshly out of it or have been in the last couple of years they identify with you so well it is healing and comforting it's very comforting to sit with a group like that so divorce care groups which are found in all kinds of churches uh, 
you know, there's still the Bible study groups that can be just good friends, and I think good friends and that kind of healthy environment is very, very important. Um, one of the major factors for me is sometimes there has to be something new involved. And again, a lot of people, including myself, have chose to do something new in very unhealthy thing that wasn't existing in my lifestyle to begin with, and then I choose, well, I'm going through all this pain, so the hell with that, I'm just going to go and do something crazy yeah. to myself and other people. Uh-huh. Um, but instead of that, find a group of people that you can have fun with. For uh-huh. me, it was, it was an exercise group. I was looking for exercise first and community to get back into and give me something to do, something for my mind to be on. Um, even though I already had community and stuff, I just needed something a little bit different. And I ended up finding amazing community where we do exercise together. And for me, that has been life-changing as well. Uh-huh. But between all of those groups, and I'm still very active in all those groups, um, it has, that has been the thing that to spur my growth and give me the energy and the pause to be able to listen to God and talk to him more when I may not want to. Okay, that's a great piece of advice and that's something that I would that I would have never thought of is to do fun with other people. So that's I think to me that's like an unorthodox it totally makes sense. So mm-hmm. Yeah, the fun piece the fun yeah. piece is, is very important mm-hmm. because it's not a fun time in your life. No. <laughs> no, so, you get that right. <clears throat> to be able to laugh consistently with some people or just enjoy stuff without again there's a fine line between distracting yourself and you know and, and diving into the pain but if you do all those other things to dive into the pain to sit with it to cry with people to cry with God then it's it's perfectly normal and very very healthy to have those fun moments where you're just laughing about everything else right that's a good point I mean that's all I can say that's a good point but really I, it's because like I'm this is I don't I don't know why I chose to this topic, divorce, but I think God knew why, and I think your why, I mean, because I you had this amazing advice and testimony to share, and just, it's really great, so I'm kind of like, I, I don't know what to say about it, other than, you know, good point, or that's amazing, because it is, and I'm, I'm taking it all in myself, so I, thank you, like, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for doing this. Um, and uh, we're gonna wrap it up here and I hope everybody I hope everybody gets something out of this I hope like any kind of stereotypes fall away if if you're going through a divorce I hope uh, Quincy's advice uh, will put you in the right direction so we're gonna wrap it up here and I just want to say to you guys God bless and thank you again Quincy my honor thank you